Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. Coming to you, as always, after an eventful race, indeed, for the Hungarian Grand Prix. My name is Graham, and joining me today, as always, it is Valtteri Bottas' breaking coach. It's Luke Holmes. Wow. Once again, getting me on point there, Graham. Hello, everybody. Hi, Luke. How are we doing? Not too bad. How's things? Very, very intense after that race. Let's mm. say that. Very on edge. I was literally on the edge of my seat for most of that 70 laps, which felt like four hours long for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why that race was so long, but it, it, you know, in reality, it wasn't. But yeah, decent apart from that. I've only... I think I've only I think I've only just stopped sweating, but that's more so to do that I've been rushing back from a train station than anything else. But nerve wracking race, all the same. It was. Uh, things are a little bit different this week because not only are we coming to you on the usual platforms like Anchor and Spotify, but also this week we are on uh, YouTube. Hi, YouTube. <laughs> we are a uh, special shout out to uh, Maze and the TTML YouTube channel for having us after a uh, race weekend. So we just like to say a big thank you for them for hosting us. Indeed. Huge uh, the, shout out to the boys. Absolutely. Uh, the visuals you see on screen are also because of them. So, uh, hey. Big up. Big up. Thank you very much. And uh, if you're new to if, if you're new to all this, uh, we well, what we do here, we talk F1 and shoot the shit and we go from there. Literally, literally that's what we do. We ramble about cars that race around a circuit for about an hour and a half each week. <laughs> that's pretty much pretty a pretty good roundup i'd say yeah an hour and a half is never the intention but it ends up being almost accurate which is kind of worrying i can see that this one goes to an hour and a half if i'm honest yeah possibly with but... how much that there is <laughs> uh, but hey i've got some uh, a neat feature for you to do uh, to save yourself some time if you're listening you can listen at one and a half times speed and see if you can discern anything that i'm saying because uh, i speak far too quickly but it will definitely help if it, you feel like it's a little too long for you yeah, because I tend to pause between every sentence for some reason. Don't know why. So, yeah, you'll get the idea here pretty quickly. So, as we like to do before we get into any kind of meat and potatoes of the race weekend, we like to do a quick blast of the news events that happened throughout the week. Uh, last week was pretty quiet. Uh, a little bit more this week, well, not a ton. Uh, why don't you take us off on the uh, events of the F1 world heading into uh, heading into the Hungaroring? So, starting off with, we got Hamilton and Mercedes launched their own Ignite charity to promote diversity in motorsport, which I feel needs to be done full stop. Mm -hmm. So the basis of it is basically that, uh, I'm reading an article on race fans, it, uh, Ignite will focus on promoting science, technology, education and mathematics to underrepresented groups in motorsport. And the quote from Hamilton, uh, diverse workforces are not only more successful, but are also the morally correct approach for any industry. The findings of the Hamilton Commission have provided us a fantastic base to begin our work, and I'm confident that Ignite will result in real, tangible change within motorsport. For 15 years, I have remained one of the only, sorry, one of the few black employees within Formula One, and I am proud that my work with Mercedes is going to change that for the better. So, look, to those who know us, to those who don't know us, we'll, we'll explain it. Uh, I am not a Lewis Hamilton fan. You are not a Lewis Hamilton fan. That on the track. That is very, you know, we'll call a stone a stone. 
But I am in full support of what Lewis Hamilton is trying to achieve off of the track with uh, his uh, with his work to increase not only awareness but uh, actual employment and diversity in motorsport. And obviously, Mercedes have been at the forefront of that with some of their uh, some of their employees. I know one of them. I can't remember her name. I do apologise, but uh, who works with uh, Patronus and she heads up a great department with Patronus. We all know Patronus at F one. So. You're seeing kind of a lot of that come to the forefront in Mercedes, but it needs to spread more within F1. And hopefully, this uh, what Hamilton and Mercedes are pushing here with Ignite will uh, will help do that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely needs to get more out there, doesn't it? And it mm. seems to, Lewis seems to be getting one of them people that drives that message forward and always has done. So big up for Lewis for doing that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it needs to happen. And it's something that will, he will continue to do after his career is done. I'm sure. And I'm sure Mercedes will put place you know the steps in place to help continue that even when Hamilton is not officially with the uh, with the team in a driving capacity, though I suspect he'll be a Mercedes ambassador for life regardless, so he'll be involved at the forefront of this, I'm sure, once his uh, career is, uh, is said and done. Yeah, imagine he switches to Ferrari afterwards, <laughs> after all these after all these years. <laughs> I, think, I think part of him has always wanted to, but the timelines yeah. never, never lined up for him. He should have gone to uh, Ferrari in uh, 2014, I think. What a car that was. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the other bit of news, and this is the big one heading into the weekend, was that Red Bull eventually did push forward their their uh, appeal or protest on the penalty that was given to Lewis Hamilton for the British Grand Prix and his accident, uh, the incident regarding Max Verstappen on lap one. Uh, they brought this forward. I believe this was confirmed on Thursday uh, yes. that they were bringing this for they had 14 days to do so after the uh, after the British Grand Prix so they weighed it up and they needed new tangible evidence to have any hope of this of this uh, succeeding uh, so some examples throughout the years included Williams who did that I, I didn't realize they did it five times during 2018 did they there is an I think there was I can't remember if it was an article on race fans or if it was a video on uh, the race.com or sorry, YouTube slash, uh, youtube.com forward slash uh, the race, uh, the hyphen race. <laughs> so, but I think, I think race fans looked at this more so, and uh, no, I don't think any of it was successful. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so eventually the same result here. Red Bull were not successful in it. I'm not sure if they ever were expecting to be successful, but um, you would ask the question, what's the harm? Uh, well, Mercedes were, I don't think, very pleased with this, and neither was Lewis Hamilton. And Mercedes put out a statement after the ruling was made. Uh, Mercedes AMG Patronus F1 team welcomes the decision of the stewards to reject Red Bull Racing's right of review. In addition to bringing this incident to a close, we hope that this decision will mark the end of a concerted attempt by the senior management of Red Bull Racing to tarnish the good name and sporting integrity of Lewis Hamilton, including in the documents submitted for their unsuccessful right of review was uh, the uh, the statement they put out afterwards. Now, do you have any thoughts on any of that before we talk about what boiled over into then qualifying on the Saturday? Very punctual, wasn't it? Very straight to the point from Mercedes. Like they were, they were not impressed that Red Bull did it. But the whole point of the right of review is you have the right to do it. Like Surely, if the boot was on the other foot, Mercedes mm. would have done it. Any team would do it. You, why wouldn't you? It's there to be used like that. It didn't work. It doesn't matter, does it? I think I think the line's been drawn in the sand now in that whole thing. But I mean, I'm glad it is as well because Twitter was an awful place to be the, the last mm -hmm. few weeks. So 
Yeah, what, what do you think? I do think exactly what you said. If it was the other way around, I'm, I'm also thinking of when the Ferrari did it, when Sebastian Vettel was stripped of his win because of a five-second penalty that was for the Canadian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. I can't help again. I can't help but think that Mercedes positioned themselves exactly the same way uh, that Red Bull and Ferrari would have done when they appealed those. And again, we know a Red Bull. It's not just the fact of Verstappen's lost points are one thing, but obviously in the cost cap era. You know, that's that's a lot of damage. And eventually they did have to replace that PU unit. They gave the go on the Friday and Saturday and then they had to replace it. So Verstappen's on this third one, his third and final uh, PU for the season. So I imagine down the road there's going to be repercussions. So you can understand why Red Bull were understandably upset about the whole thing. Uh, Verstappen more so upset about the celebrations that took place afterwards, which I still think that point is valid. Yeah, no, definitely. But it was said that Lewis didn't know, but he was still celebrating anyway, I think. Right. I do think it's important to stress that it's, it's, a, I think it's up to the team to do some sort of job to inform him because he, like, I know you don't want to dampen the spirit on his, you know, cool down lap after the, the race, especially after coming so late. But I do think you owe it to him to, you know, I guess not come across as this person who just, just celebrates as wildly as that while someone else is in hospital. I don't I don't think that was ever his intention to do it like that, given the circumstances, but I do think the team has to let him know, uh, you know, as he, uh, on maybe some point during, during the cool-down lap, because I can understand why Verstappen thought it took the piss. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you don't go... A, a normal celebration, fair enough, I don't think Verstappen would have been too annoyed, but the overtop celebrations that Mercedes seemed to do that entire weekend for uh, even just getting the pole position was was crazy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to spend too long here because we've already tried on this kind of topic and we don't need to do too, too much again. But no. I only say this because uh, it seemed like, obviously, we know what happened in qualifying three. We know the Mercedes went very, very slow on their second laps in Q3, uh, which obviously resulted in Perez not even getting a chance to do a final lap. Uh, I think well, Hamilton's times were definitely compromised. I assume, I assume Verstappen's were as well. Do you think... Mercedes employ that gamesmanship if Red Bull hadn't done what they did on the Thursday and obviously in their public comments in the aftermath of the uh, British Grand Prix. Not a chance. No, I don't think so either. It's very, very childish, I thought, when I saw it. I, was, I wasn't I was annoyed at them on the track for doing it. I was more annoyed in the pits because I, I think you shouldn't piss about in the pits because there's people of each team knocking about and if some happens then someone's going to get hurt whereas out on track there's not as many people around i know there's still the drivers and the, the marshals and stuff so for me on track it's fair and it did come out that lewis was was quicker on the out lap than he had been the last few laps which was weird but to me to me like i say the the pits messing about in the pits is not on the pit lane crawling was interesting an interesting kind of full circle between you know obviously in 2007 when Alonso did it to Hamilton and he couldn't get the lap done in Q3 which eventually ended up costing Alonso pole position at the time as Hamilton went yeah. on to win that race yeah so of all places isn't it it's just one of them I know <laughs> the irony look the irony was rich throughout the whole weekend in, in many different ways so yes. it was interesting for them to do it because it seemed very clear at that point based on their first laps that they were very much in the ascendancy. Yeah, they were pretty much... I didn't know who was getting pole going into that because practice didn't really give me an indication because Bottas was doing his usual thing of being 
up there in practice and then dropping back in the actual qualifying session. So it was obviously going to be between Lewis and Max, but it was whoever was going to hook the lap up, wasn't it? And I think Mercedes played a blinder by pulling that rabbit out of the eye, if I'm honest. Mm. Let's jump into that because not only did uh, Mercedes have the ascendancy in track position, but they also had the better race tyre being on the uh, mediums. They were the only team to squeeze into Q3 on the mediums. And I say squeeze in because it was quite tight at times. Uh, I think Red Bull felt they couldn't take the risk. Look, it was touch and go. I can't remember exactly where Verstappen's position was. I know Hamilton was definitely the last one on track in Q2. So I wonder if perhaps they should have placed Verstappen a bit better in that kind of queue, I guess, behind. So if it was touch and go, at least he could finish the lap, they would know. So I think there's definitely that element at play. I, I think it was, I don't think it was a strategic call. I think they were unsure that they would stay in the top 10 with those uh, with those mediums. And you can't take that risk at Hungary. No, not a chance. As, as we saw in the uh, Formula 3 races and the actual Grand Prix itself, it's so, so hard to overtake Randy. I, I said this on Twitter as well. I love Hungary as a track to drive and it's produced some great races over the years. But when it's a bad race, it's a very bad race because mm. you cannot get past in these generation of cars and Red, the Pirelli tyres. Red Bull would have been lambasted. Jean-Pierre Lamb- <laughs> lambasted. Don't, don't uh, even start. Had, um, We're 20 minutes in. <laughs> Uh, they would have been absolutely put to the stake had Verstappen been knocked out in Q2, try and get through on mediums. And that would have, been, that would have drawn fair criticism because at a track like Hungary, where track position we know is so important, why take that risk? So, look, I, 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 I do think they knew that they were compromising themselves somewhat, but I think they, it was something they had to do. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they would, they would have got away with it because I think Bottas finished in ninth and then... Verstappen would have been like eighth or seventh or something like that. So they they would have got away with it, but they could have just done a better job of putting Verstappen in the queue. And it was both in Q2 and Q3 Mm -hmm. that was the case. Mm -hmm. Definitely something they need to improve on uh, going forward. But it ended up mattering mattering for naught in the end because uh, a downpour came not too far before a lights out. So everyone started on mediums. Mercedes' tyre advantage gone. Uh, arguably Verstappen's tie advantage at the start also gone with the uh, soft. Yeah. Been, I was looking forward to seeing how he would be able to get off the line if he could take Bottas, take Hamilton going into turn one and maybe go from there if he could get that launch in the soft. But uh, ultimately, we never got the uh, the answer to that question. And uh, well, uh, how do we describe what happens next? So uh, Valtteri Bottas is uh, not great at starts. This is nothing new. Especially in the wet. Especially in the wet. He's awful. A point uh, was proven as he got very... I know he's not on the best side of the grid, but uh, even still, uh, very poor off the line. He was immediately jumped by, uh, obviously, Verstappen. Uh, Perez was coming by too. Norris came by. And do you think how far Charlie Leclerc's car... Well, he was, he was through as well, was he not? He was on the inside, yeah. So, anyways, Bottas tucks in behind uh, behind Norris, uh, locks with the brakes, and piles into the back of uh, Norris, who in turn goes into uh, per, uh, Verstappen, Verstappen. And then the aftermath took Bottas into Sergio Perez. So, 
uh, session was red flagged after <laughs> after last stroll. Um, just in his own he separate incident, decided to basically decide had a choice of who he decided he wanted to crash into. Not well, not decided, but who who he'd rather crash into, I suppose. And uh, he decided not to crash into. Uh, I believe it was Ocon in front, was it not? Yeah. It was Ocon or Alonso. It was one of the Alpines. So I think it was Ocon because Alonso was located on the outside and uh, he decided to try and go over the curb, over the grass, but uh, directly into uh, Charles Leclerc's side. Uh, he was not very happy about it, and understandably so. Neither was... Look, a lot of people were very unhappy about the events of uh, of Turn 1, uh, excluding uh, Ocon, Vettel, Hamilton... And pretty much everyone from like 14th down, essentially. And they just drove straight through it. All the chaos is happening around them and they're just going through the middle. Brilliant. It, it is, is brilliant to see. It is literally like watching uh, an F1 esports league race, you know, at that start. From the perspective of uh, Ocon and Vettel as like the Red Sea parts. As everything happens in front of them. And they just, uh, they just get through. <laughs> yeah. And Danny Rick was also an unfortunate uh, casualty of Leclerc being hit by a uh, stroll as yeah. well. Yeah, so he got he got spun round. So and got floor damage. Big chain reaction. Uh, I am still amazed. I mean, seeing the onboard from uh, both Norris and Verstappen of how uh, Norris obviously through no fault of his own, of course, just uh, the car went into that that front right of Verstappen. I have no idea how he didn't escape. Uh, you know, with a broken suspension or something that would put him out of the race. When I first saw it, I thought one of his uh, wishbones was gone because mm-hmm. I thought I saw his uh, wheel pointing to the right, and I was like, "Oh, for God's sake!" Two races and both out and out in, within the first lap. That's just pure Hamilton luck coming into play right there. He's just gone away and got away scot free, and his title rival has been taken out of the race. But somehow, like you say, he uh, got away with it. His uh, suspension proving quite strong around Hungary for some reason. <laughs> The, so, yeah. Look, the irony was very obvious at the start. Look, I, if you if you if you think that Bottas did that on purpose, I don't know how it you did. calculate that. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> um, it looks awful from the sense that oh, look at this! A Mercedes has once again crashed into not just one Red Bull but both Red Bulls. Yeah, and taken one of them out completely. Yeah, pretty much because per- Perez had to retire later on like, in the uh, lap. So. Verstappen was really in that uh, bad luck as well after the race. Look at, you know, the irony is hilarious as Lewis Hamilton goes through unscathed and everyone behind has crashed from basically uh, well, well, from one part of it, starting from his teammate. Um, look, the irony does right itself. That's you know that's why the hashtag blessed does exist. But in no way, of course, was that deliberate. No, no, definitely not. It was just I think Lando backed off, not knowing where the breaking zone was going into turn one because they, they had no practice in the wet so Lando breaks at the 100 meter board which is probably about right in the wet and uh, Bottas just didn't <laughs> and just locked up and locked up and reacted to it pretty much and then that was it it was game over yeah Norris was not happy uh, Leclerc was also not happy uh, going on to Twitter very soon after the uh, red flag was thrown over all the debris and cars everywhere I'm uh, talking about bowling. Uh, I have a great quote from Christian Horner, who spoke to when he's talking to Max Verstappen uh, after the race, and uh, he called Bottas uh, playing skittles down to turn one. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was a uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Safe to say, uh, Bottas has earned that 2022 contract. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, that was the other thing that came up as well. I was like, <laughs> well, mission accomplished. Like, let's celebrate with a 2022 uh, new contract. I don't, I, I don't buy into that, of course, but... <laughs> Well, the Red Bull ties have gone now for Bottas, surely. Yeah, well, that's... Taking out that option. That's that option gone. <laughs> if that door is ever open, it is firmly closed now. Yes, 100%. So, uh, a very well-earned five-place grid penalty for Bottas and Stroll, along, uh, yes. to go along with two penalty points. I'm going to be honest, I think that's extremely lenient. Five-place yeah, grid penalty for that. Norris was not happy. I was watching his uh, post-race interview, or mid-race interview, should I say. And he was like, I, I think based on all the penalties I've got this year for doing stuff that's out of my hands, surely they should get like race bans and stuff like that. Well, Which, this, this, uh, is, a, this uh, is the Grosjean thing you see. A similar thing. I was going so, to, yes, that was the thing I was going to say next, is that Grosjean got himself a one-race ban for his shenanigans in Belgium in 2012. Now, a much bigger collision. But yes. on, the, on the spectrum here, that's one extreme. Uh, for Bottas's part, a five-place grid penalty seems very kind for the the accident and ramifications it had on multiple cars yeah if it, if it was one or two then five places is fair enough but it was four or five like it was so many and it was most of the front runners so i know that probably shouldn't have be a factor but that's a lot of title rivals or a lot of rivals gone in in the uh, race so for me it should have been at least to start the back or a pit lane start or something like that where the they, they give some form of advantage back to the teams that lost out in Hungary. Yeah, I'm just reading a new article here on Race Fans where um, Christian Horner, uh, the headline, uh, Bottas, quote, did a great job for Mercedes taking out, both of our, taking out both of our cars. Yeah. End quote. So, yeah, he says in, the, in another quote from uh, Horner, that's the brutality of racing, isn't it? I think that, unfortunately, you saw Valtteri made a, make a poor start. He obviously misjudged his braking, and he's done a great job for Mercedes in taking out both of our cars. Um, yeah. Talked about a significant amount of damage to both cars. Uh, we, uh, here's another quote. We lost another engine with Sergio, and obviously Max was then hugely compromised. And I have to say, the mechanics worked wonders to get that car running in, because just to get some of the pipes straightened on it, uh, straightened on it for the fluids was an incredible response and yeah, yeah talk about pushing on from their bad luck from there so yeah uh, I'm sure that comment will go down nicely as well with, uh, with Mercedes I can understand why Stroll was given five places I just think that's I don't know Bottas should be on the hook for a little bit more than and look if the tables were turned if this was Lewis Hamilton there'd be calls for a race ban so it's only fair we do the same for Bottas here in terms of that I think five places is too lenient for what, uh, what the end result was for multiple cars and multiple teams. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Cause and consequence is the uh, saying that comes to mind with this one. It's uh, not enough, in my opinion, and the stewards have not enough been not enough on the uh, penalty side for the last couple of races now for me. So, yeah, I think, I think they need to book their ideas up a little bit Yeah, the, some of the penalties being dished out. It seems like they've gone the like. It seems like they took the criticism to harsh from the harsh penalties. It seemed at Austria, and we've gone in a different direction. I think since yeah, just the middle ground. That's all I want. So, but normal that's consistent across the season, and we'll be good. Me and the stewards will be back on bestie terms. Uh, red flag was obviously thrown for it. Uh, so on the lap, then so I was they made it do another standing start. And the formation lap two said second start. 
uh, obviously Hamilton starting from the front. Uh, he decided not to uh, make a stop because you can't, of course, you can't communicate. You, can, you the team can't call you in to box. We saw this last year at Hungary with the Haas cars, and they got penalties for this because you can't call, you can't call the uh, you, you, know, you can't do that kind of communication on the formation lap. So it comes down to the driver, does it not, to make that call themselves and hope that your team has a. Uh, you know, you've prepared for this contingency before you get back into the car. Yeah, the team's 100% not allowed to uh, communicate. So it's all on the driver and going off what they f- they're feeling on the track and what they hope the team has told them is correct, which is what Hamilton alluded to after the race. Mm. So it ended up Hamilton taking the start and everyone else went into the pit. So now look, I've been an F1 fan for nearly 20 years. I saw live... A USA 2005 where six cars took that stash. I thought it was hilarious to see one car on the grid take a race, an official F1 race stash. I saw a meme straight away as soon as that that start was taken and it was Hamilton. This is Hamilton racing against the drivers he's taken out. (laughs) So... Everyone went on to mediums, essentially, and Hamilton was left to wander on, uh, what lap was it? I suppose it was technically lap, was it lap, yeah, lap two three. or three? It would have been three, right? Mm-hmm. So, as everyone else came out behind the pit lane on uh, on mediums, and then Hamilton obviously had to uh, to make a stop. Uh, Total Wolf said it was could be the correct decision to, to, stay, to stay out on the inters. They thought there was going to be more rain. I guess, look, I guess this is one of the positions... I, I see where he's coming from because, in a sense, if he comes in, does every, do everyone does everyone else stay out is the question. Like, they have the unenviable... Well, not unenviable, but they have the position that comes with the leader being the first one to have to make that choice. Yeah, I, I still think he would have come in if he was... He would have stayed out regardless, sorry, if he was out on track. So, if, if he's second or something, I think he's stays out the other thing i have to wonder is i want i am surprised no one went back out because of course under the red flag you can do a lot of different work obviously for stappen they try to fix as much of for stappen's car as they could they couldn't fix norris's car under red flags so he had to retire but obviously you can change tires under the safety under that red flag too i'm surprised no one took the gamble because if they had they would have inherited the race lead when everyone else pulled into the pits at the end of the formation lap. And obviously when Hamilton pitched the late lap after, you have to wonder who could have won this race had they come out for that formation lap on the slick tires. Well, it's worth mentioning that Giovinazzi pit at the end of the first formation lap at the very start of the race to go onto slicks when it was pouring it down with rain. So surely Alfa Romeo would have thought to themselves, all right, we're basically last anyway. Screw it. Let's gamble. Once again, why not? We're not going to get anything out of it. If we did, just stay here because you can't overtake. Let's do it. But no, they decided to play it safe. Obviously, that came back to bite them in the arse a few weeks, a couple laps later <laughs> on the line. Well, why don't we briefly talk about uh, the the? I was also mentioned. I was going to mention the Mazepin pit stop uh, thing with uh, Raikkonen, but we can lump that in a little bit uh, a little bit later. Uh, the George Russell thing was very interesting. Coming in, uh, getting a bit of a head start there. Yes, I, I honestly thought he was just being advantageous. Do you know what? Of everyone, everyone else being sleepy on the start. So did Esteban Ocon when he was talking to, uh, I think it was Lawrence Barreto of F1.com in the F1 post-race show they do on F1.com. 
uh, or at least on F1 there, F1 TV. But Ocon seemed to think it was fair, uh, he, that Russell had just reacted quicker. He he thought it was. I th- I think he thought it was fair game. Yeah, no, it, in my eyes, it was fair game. If Russell was there, then why not? Uh, sadly, Russell was. Uh, we thought you. I think everyone thought he had a problem, but you just he was just forced to give up those positions. I honestly thought he got a puncture. So I thought it was like an engine fault or something. A puncture would have been just wild. Been. But given... It would have just been in his lot, wouldn't it, at mm-hmm. that point? So uh, let's. So it, it, when Hamilton came into the pits, it left Esteban Ocon to inherit the race lead ahead of Vettel, and it was initially it was Nicholas Latifi. Uh, let's jump into winners and losers because we spent half an hour dilly dallying before we actually got into this. There, look, there was a lot to co- cover beforehand, so uh, apologies there. Yes. <laughs> All requires context. We'll try our best to go into winners and losers. We break down, well, as it would suggest, winners and losers of the weekend. And Weber. To start then, the race winner of the weekend, Espen Ocon taking his first race win. Let's go then to the results, actually. So it was Ocon who took his first race win, the 111th different uh, race winner. He finished ahead of Sebastian Vettel, although uh, he is under investigation and I think is likely going to be excluded for... Uh, not being able to provide a sufficient fuel sample but for the moment he finished second ahead of Lewis Hamilton who recovered from that uh, intermediate uh, kerfuffle to finish in third Carlos Sainz finished fourth ahead of Alonso in fifth Gasly in sixth Sonoda seventh Latifi then in eighth ahead of Russell securing a double points finish for Williams for the first time since 2018 and Verstappen finishing off in tenth so let's talk about Espan Ocon he was having a good weekend even regardless because he very under the radar out-qualified Fernando Alonso who's looking pretty fly all, uh, all weekend. Uh, Espan Ocon qualified eighth. Obviously in a great position to look. Luck plays a huge factor into so many of the races that happened today. It played it, its hands into obviously Latifi, uh, Russell to an extent, Ocon, Vettel. Look, these guys are in the right place at the right time. Uh, many people were not in the right place at the right time. That resulted in some DNFs. That resulted in some people losing a lot of positions, uh, like Alonso, uh, like uh, who has lost a lot off the line. Of For Sapphire, obviously, of course, as well. So, But they were there at the right place. It's a long race after that. I thought Esteban Ocon handed, handled that race extremely well because Sebastian Vettel, throughout that entire race, could not have been more than two seconds away from him. I didn't see that gap go above 1.8 or two seconds. He was constantly putting the pressure on. And there were some moments where I honestly thought Ocon had screwed up and got and Vettel was basically in the game. But somehow he kept it and kept his cool throughout that entire thing. And as honestly earned that three-year renewal. <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back uh... to this because I, when, he hand, when he got handed that three-year renewal, everything went south. Mm-hmm. Now that could be put down to the chassis, and he seems to have got on top of things. First Q three appearance in a while. Good race today, oh, not good race today. Insane race today. Have fending off a four-time world champion. Long overdue, probably. I'm not sure because look, like I am slightly red-faced at the moment because we've spent. Then look, we obviously gave Ocon his due at the start of the season. He was one of the better surprises of the season to start after a pretty miserable 2020, despite finishing second in Secure. But we have not been shy in, I guess, it's already shitting on him as more so as Alpine for deciding to give him a three-year extension based on six, seven races of this year and like one race from last year, which was secure. Uh, like, it's, it was still a poor decision when they did it to give him that long, given how underwhelming he was for many of, uh, much of last season. 
and a, a, a strong start this season. But he killed it today. Both things are true, you know. Both yeah. both can be true. And Vettel said afterwards he tried everything and came very close to overtaking him after the stops. Did he? Uh, did uh, to Vettel? But I thought Ocon, look, first race win. You know, kind of, no, you're leading the race for a, the majority of it. The nerves would have been there. You got, like you say, a four-time world champion behind you. I think he did a great job in not cracking and not showing that. Uh, I guess the mental vulnerabilities that would be expected for someone who's never been in that position before with a legitimate chance to win a race. Yeah, and like it was brought up in commentary, it's, it's been five years since he's been in a race-winning position. There is a lot of things, a lot to soak up all in that one. Just just a scenario in general. You'd be surprised you're there, wouldn't you? Like, mm. how how I'd be sat there in the car thinking to myself, how the hell have I got into this position? I did not wake up this morning thinking I'd be leading a race, never, never alone winning it. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's, that's why this sport is, is unreal, honestly. So good. It was really special to see him do that. Uh, to be to be to be fair, like I was watching this race with my brothers, and uh, it was pretty cool to share something like that. Uh, first time winner, like the circumstances. Uh, it was it was incredible. It really was. I think he was the. F- the first French winner since Olivier Panis. You're forgetting Gasly. <laughs> oh, wow! You're brushing over Gasly. I I heard. Uh, I'm confusing the stash. I think it was. It was the first French winner in a French car. Thank you, Alan Prost, 1985, right? 89, one of those two. Thank 85, I think. Thank you. I was confusing that. Sorry. Good. Holy crap. You need to. Yikes. You need to school yourself. That was poor. That was. That was very poor. I do apologise. That was. uh, That's fucking. I won't be letting that one go in a hurry. I'll be bringing that up every week. Mm, Thank you. Uh, I. Yeah, I kind of earned it, didn't I? So. Yeah. Obviously. Such a yeah, it's seeing a first time winner in F1 is always such a special, such a special yeah. thing and thoroughly earned. Again, a, a large slice of luck involved, again, as was the case for many drivers today. But he did a lot after inheriting that position to make it happen. And the, the team obviously played, you know, did very, very well in handling their business as well when it came down to it. Do you think? If that Red Bull, or sorry, that Aston Martin stop was a bit smoother for Vettel, it was three point three seconds or so. That he was very close to Ocon when he uh, when they came out. Do you think Vettel gets the jump on Ocon if his pit stop is a bit smoother? That pit stop is two and a half. Vettel wins that race. I think, in that, my opinion, yeah, I I definitely think that he Aston was... Martin was quicker in race trim than it was. Uh, than that Alpine, even if the qualifying may not have reflected always that way, because I was, I think, I think Vettel was tenth, wasn't he ahead? Yeah, he was just in Q three behind the uh, the two Alpines there. But I, it definitely felt like that Aston Martin was quicker in race trim, at least in Vettel's hands, uh, compared to Ocon's hands in that Alpine. But um, yeah, I think so. I it's I think it's it's such a fine margin. But I think if he's a little bit more alongside, like eight tenths more alongside, or you know half a second, whatever the case is. I think Vettel overtakes and I think he leaves Ocon behind. Yeah, and especially with it being hungry as well, which Seb always goes well always goes well at throughout his career. He's done brilliant races here in the past. So for me Val would have easily won that unless Lewis 
got through on uh, the Alpine uh, teammate mm. of the Ocons. So let's lump Alpine and Alonso as winners of the weekend as well, because... Uh, My word. I think, look, Ocon won that race. He He controlled what he had to control, but he probably does not win that race without his teammate giving one of the best defences, you know, car to car, you know, a disadvantage. That that was a performance of the ages from Alonso on Hamilton defending that. A guy who was two, three, four seconds a lap quicker than those in front should have easily been able to breeze past the Alpine, which is would you say one and a half seconds a lap slower, two seconds? Like it's. It's a significantly yeah. faster car on a significantly faster tire. Now, Alonso extended his stint, and that ended up, you know, that without, without Alpine doing that with Alonso, running that strategy with Alonso, because there was a certain point where they could have probably pitted Alonso, and he'd come out ahead of Hamilton, and they let that go by and extended that stint. So even though Alonso came out behind Hamilton in those hearts, he had good tire left to fight that Mercedes, but... Oh, I think everyone was just in absolute awe of what Alonso was doing uh, versus Hamilton. I was in disbelief. I could not believe he held on for as long as he did. I, I said to my friend over Facebook Messenger that if Hamilton doesn't get past Alonso by lap 62, then he's not winning this race. And he didn't get past till lap 65, 66, something like that. So he, Alonso did an absolute stellar job of doing that because honestly. because once uh once he got by like once he got by like i always i was saying to my brothers when we were watching this alonso was going to be the hardest one to get by like i had no doubt that once he got by alonso the rest would be much easier to to overtake science talked about post-race about how he had to use a lot of his hard tire in the early stint of that uh, that tire when he came out just ahead of hamilton to keep hamilton behind and took a bit out to, you know, obviously he was feeling the effects at the end, but he was dropped by 10 seconds by Hamilton, about three laps. And I think Hamilton squeezed into Vettel's DRS by the by the end of the race there on lap 70. Yeah, he was in it in the final sector. So just, I love how Alonso is continuing to write his legacy, his story, even at age 40, which he turned over the weekend. Yeah, I, I, I don't think... Any other driver on that grid gives that much of a fight. The only one that comes to mind might be Verstappen. Yeah, but even then, I don't think Verstappen fights it that hard. It was it was incredible, and like again, mm. Alonso is just adding to his to his it's just it's like he's creating these. Like we had the we had the sprint, you know, the sprint qualifying start that happened there. We had this squabble. I know he ended up no look. He couldn't keep Hamilton behind forever. I think it was inevitable he was going to get by at some point, but just incredible stuff. And it's also go back to what Alonso was talking about. He talked about basically, uh, he said he was, he was almost racing too clean earlier in the season. And when he knows that other drivers weren't getting penalised for some of the you know, manoeuvres that were being pulled on him, you know, that really resonated with Alonso. Like, okay, well, I can't. And we saw a bit of that in Silverstone, didn't we, with Vettel? Yeah, with the weaving. <laughs> And stuff like that against Lando. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Alonso was using everything in, in Silverstone to stop uh, Lando getting past in the sprint race. So he's, he's I think he's clicked on a bit. Mm. And these last few weeks, he's really, really come to light. And we're seeing the old Alonso. And it, oh my God, it's a joy to watch. It is. Absolute joy. What he's able to do just leaves me in awe. Like it really is just incredible. And Hamilton, 
look, there was a lot of Hamilton whinging on the radio this this weekend. Uh, he was not happy with Alonso's moves. I'm sure there'll be more to come on that. I'm sure, but uh, I I really think he was crying for no reason because I didn't think anything Alonso did was particularly egregious. Oh, if anybody did anything to uh, Hamilton, it was science on the main street. That was close. Very late. Yes, that was very close. I know but... they were lapping another car, but yeah. Yeah, but it's still Alonso for me was very, very hard, but fair. It was on the limit quite a lot, but it was more than fair. And like Alonso afterwards, like he was so happy for his teammate and his team. Like he waited for Ocon to oh, obviously missed the year. He obviously thought it was qualifying and <laughs> parked on the main straight and not go back through. I, I can understand why he'd be confused. I think in Austria they did it, didn't they? They went on to yeah, the they main changed. straight. Don't after they changed the race. So. Yeah, I can see the confusion. But he waited for him, celebrated with him. He called the result after as the best result for the team, like the best day ever. Yes. And you know, talked yeah. about his own, like again, and he also acknowledged the, the slice of luck that put them there. But again, praised the team's execution of the race in general. So we just talk about like if we have a car that can fight at the front, basically, we've got the, what we need to be able to execute a race like that to you know come through. Yeah, you 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 dealt you were. Uh... Got to give, got to give you, you got to give it everything, haven't you? In that mm. scenario, so for me, they, if Alonso got a podium, that would have topped it off. Mm. It was fully deserved if he did get one, but I'm lucky that he didn't. But for me, that was probably Alpine's best weekend since Renault even came back. Yeah, arguably. And look, and it's also worth saying, like that could have easily been Alonso winning that race today if he had, his car was where Ocon's was. Like, that's how fine the margins were today. It could have been... And look, I think a lot of drivers... I know Gasly was quite disappointed after the race, even though he, you know, recovered to sixth place with fastest lap. He, and I know Science as well, they, look, these guys, these guys know they could have... That could have been them today, where Ocon was, and Vettel was, yes. and Hamilton was possibly as well. Yeah, but that's the thing. These things can happen anytime, anywhere, and certain people look out from it so to me it's just one of them things that they can't take it too hardly mm. so it is it'll probably happen again very very soon these races come up quite often now we we know we didn't have them for quite a long time and then suddenly mm. the last few years they've sparked up quite a lot so and they, to me they're the best kind of races because i i love seeing mixed up podiums yeah rather than the yeah, boring standard Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas podium that we've gotten used to the last three years. It kind of kicked off with that Brazilian Grand Prix in 2019, didn't it? Yes. And kind of carried through with some mad ones in 2020 and even more so now in 2021 as well. Yeah, we've, we've had quite a few, at least six off the top of my head that I can think of where they've been all mixed up. This is this is the third one this year? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hungary, Monaco, Baku... Imola, yeah, is a bit mixed up. If you could put Norris on there, anyone that's not the normal people on the podium is a mixed up podium for me. So, I like so. It's, look, it's you get luck in one sense, but I still think when they got to that position, they did a really, really good job. And yeah, what it means for Alpine is that we've talked about this little scrap for P five for uh, for a couple of weeks now. It means they jump both AlphaTauri and Aston Martin into fifth place on 75 points and of Aston Martin on fifth and sixth place with 66 AlphaTauri on uh, 64 as well so even though there was like double points finish and solid double points finish for AlphaTauri and 18 points for now at least with Vettel losing that now would be a big blow to uh, to Aston Martin 
Yeah, and I don't see them clawing that back either. Unless Alpine go back to being the most inconsistent team in Formula One. You never, you never know. But uh, for a moment, it's Alpine move back into uh, back into fifth place. Um, so, yeah, really good stuff there for for them. Uh, who else do you have as a winner of the weekend? Now we've got the Alpine uh, stuff out of the way. Uh, we, we've got to say, haven't we? Lewis is kind of the for regaining the uh, championship lead. Hundred was it hundred poles as well? This no, weekend? that was pole one hundred one. 101, right, okay. Yeah, He's looking for a race win, win 100, that's right. Yes, that's it, that's it. So definitely win of the weekend for the fact that he's back in the championship lead after being 30-something points back after two races ago, even though Mercedes has took his tire rival out both races, but we'll brush over that. Um, for, for me, I don't think he can be mad because he seemed quite displeased on the... Uh, when he came back into Paul Fermi after that race, because mm. when he keeps his helmet on, he, he's not happy. So for me, he can't really be solely, in my opinion. Yeah, look, like two, like we said before Silverstone and Hungary, these were two hugely important races for Mercedes. They were 33 points behind in terms of drivers, over 40 behind Red Bull in the constructors. They head into the summer break, leading both championships. They're 10 points ahead of Red Bull and the constructors. Hamilton, for now at least is six points i believe six points ahead of verstappen so look i know i know it's not ideal he didn't win the race but arguably this situation that happened in the race worked out better than it would have if the normal events were to take place because hamilton's gained 14 points over verstappen whereas if they finish one and three like they started the grid verstappen in third hamilton first he's only getting 10 points in that scenario like maybe 11 possibly 11 with fastest lap so mercedes look they have had enormous luck this season with hamilton's car because they were handed an absolute saving grace in imola when hamilton was a lap down and nowhere after his own mistake put him in the wall at uh, at imola um ironically enough his teammate was involved that day with bottas they got the red flag that red flag allowed him to unlap himself and get up to second place in the end that was uh that was 25 that was basically almost a well, not 25 points but certainly 10 plus points possibly redeemed uh, from possibly what it normally would have been in Baku Hamilton uh, sorry Verstappen obviously crashes out of the race lead with the Pirelli failure they would have got more points from that Verstappen finishing on with 25 versus uh, what happened with Hamilton basically losing nothing gaining nothing after his, uh, his again what might have been his own mistake again in Baku when he went straight on after uh, it was his race to win essentially uh, after he got initially got off the line better than Perez and then you know here today you know again instead of scoring for having by you know by 10 or so it's 15 and may even be 18 points he scores uh, in terms of total points again outscoring Verstappen by about uh, 14 for now 16 if the results change and Vettel is disqualified so and obviously lucky not to get possibly a harsher penalty in Silverstone they should be extremely, extremely happy to be where they are because they've had big, big slices of luck to get them to where they are right now compared to where they were just a few races ago. Yeah, and to say they've not developed their car, quote-unquote, not developed, seem to have found a good chunk of pace from somewhere. Funny that. 
it's so it's all smoke it's and mirrors. Like both, like yeah. this is too intense. Neither team are going to let this go. They're both going to say they're not pushing development or compromise their 2022 car, but neither can admit to let this go. So it's going to continue. They're going to continue to bring you updates. They're going to continue to say they're not doing this all planned or whatever, and whether they compromise them, we'll see. But. I don't think Mercedes are the team they're going to let this go likely and Red Bull aren't going to let this go because this is their best chance to win a title since 2013 as well. So th- this up this development war I think is only going to continue even though they're saying the opposite of that. Yeah, definitely. You'd be stupid to let a title go when it's there on the plate. Stupid. Yeah. So I don't believe anything that comes out of Total Wolves' mouth for a second when he says that and going to take the same approach with Christian Horner as well. So... Everyone down below them, McLaren, Ferrari, Alpine, etc., they should be licking their lips at that this fight is back on because it can only mean they, they're going to put their attention on this. They have to. They can't. It's it's not in their nature to let this go. Yeah. You've got to give the, you've got to take the opportunity when it's presented to you. Mm. So for me, they, they've got to keep developing. So... Uh, unless you have any other thoughts to say about Mercedes and such, we should move on because this is this is this is going to be our longest one yet. I, I have no doubt. Yeah, should we move on to Seb? Um, we kind of mentioned we... Aston Martin and Seb. Um, not much more he could do from his position. Again, very much inherited a good position behind Ocon. Tried everything he could. I'm I'm skeptical on the winner because uh, yeah, he he's still the, might he's the... end up being disqualified. Yes, but. This is not through his own fault. Uh, him as a driver, for me, he's a winner based on mm-hmm. his performance on the track. So, excluding the pen, he will. I will be classing him as the winner of the weekend. Yeah, second podium this season. Obviously, uh, wanting as well as Hamilton, of course, wanting to really push home this. I don't have the full details of it, but obviously, uh, there are certain laws that are brought into Hungary. Hamilton and uh, Vettel have been very much against this. They've been pushing a message obviously for equality they have all week uh, week long as uh, the Vettel sporting uh, LGBTQ uh, colours and pride colours on uh, his helmet and shoes and t-shirts which he was uh, warned about as well as other drivers that were warned about uh, giving reprimands after the race and Vettel's response I think is top class like they could just squaw for me I don't care I do it again yeah and then unfortunately it's like he's getting disqualified anyway. <laughs> yeah, for a different for a different reason. So Yeah. Um yeah, obviously we know Seb uh, likes, you know, obviously very much alongside Hamilton in this in this uh in this drive for diversity and equality. And uh, again, we uh, fully support that as well. Yes, hundred uh, percent. let's move on to Williams, who I think are probably next in line for a uh, winner of the uh, of the weekend, because they not only had one point scoring finish, they had two with the TV finishing in uh, eighth place ahead of Russell in ninth. Now, that will tell a certain story, but uh, Russell asked Williams to compromise his own race and prioritize Latifi's, which I think yes. is says so much to Russell's character. And, you know, for someone who's likely not going to be with that team next year, to, you know, to he's been embedded in that team, in their struggles he, as much as anyone else, wants to see them score points. It doesn't even matter who it was, even if it wasn't necessarily him, or at least him being the lead car. Uh, speaks a lot to George Russell's character and something Mercedes, I'm sure, will be uh, keeping a close eye on in, in, in that regard as well. 
Yeah. Have you seen the clip of him in tears after the race in an interview? Yeah, he was very emotional, very reflective. You know, I was speaking to uh, Lawrence Barretto as well. I know the uh, the tearful clip was with, I can't remember the publication of the or the, uh, the network that he was speaking to. I think it was a foreign one, but yes. he was very reflective, very emotional after the race. Talked about the journey that they've been on. Um, it's the team's first point since 2019, which of course came with Kubica through, uh, well, through disqualification to... Uh, to, Al- to the two uh, Alfa Romeos that day. Um, or sorry, 30 second penalties, I believe, for Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. I think for instructions on the formation lap on that wet race as well in uh, Hockenheim. <laughs> Give yeah, Alfa Alpha do not go well in wet races. <laughs> ironically enough. And uh, Latifi compared uh, the race this year to what Haas were able to do last year because this is one of the few races Haas did score points at despite, mm. uh, you know, getting the penalty for the communications on the formation lap in the... Uh, in the conditions. So Latifi was over the moon. He drove a good race regardless. I know he had the track position. Uh, so, you know, he could only fall so far and he almost did blow a 20 or so second lead to Russell come the uh, end of that race. But uh, he looked, you know, it's the best that he's looked in F1. I don't think that race, do you think that race has any impact on Latifi's future in F1? Because I'm inclined to think no. I'm I'm swinging towards no, but there's something holding me back. You know what I mean? Like mm. I just have a sneaky feeling if he's consistent now to the end of the season, he's like within a certain range of Russell, they'll keep him on. Right? They like they've they've talked about like obviously it's, it's, it's something along those lines. If you know if he can kick on uh, from this, you know, from uh, in second half of the uh, of the season. So, but. The big thing that does for Williams is it gives them, it jumps them up to eighth place in the constructors ahead of Alfa Romeo, who could not score any points today with Raikkonen finishing 11th. Now, that will turn into one point if uh, Vettel is disqualified. But the key thing is, if Vettel is disqualified, it also brings Williams, it gives them more points because it'll give six points for the TV in seventh and four for Russell in eighth, which will give them 10 versus Alfa Romeo's three. And... That's huge because I don't know where Alfa Romeo will find seven points from, even eight points to overtake them. Four right now might be doable. Four is doable, 100%. But seven or eight compared to Williams, who have been running in points positions at times during this season. So they could score more points with Russell possibly going forward. This is assuming they don't score for the rest of the season. At least Alfa Romeo in a big spot bother. Yeah, and to be fair to Alpha, I think they've been a little unlucky mm, and a haven't. bit with with certain things. They've like been eleventh so many races. They they've kicked on a hell of a lot to get back into that midfield pack this season. Mm-hmm. They're just quite not there yet. Just they're so close to getting to the back of that Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin and Alpine battle. Just slightly off it, just a little bit too far behind. But they are there. And if something happens, then I think they're there to pick up the points. But I also believe the, the seven-point or six-point gap or whatever it'll be is just too much. Four points, fair enough. I think they could do that mm-hmm. if they like they get a random a, a few template, 10th places throughout the rest of the season. So it's one to watch for the uh, rest of the season as well, isn't it? Yeah, and we talked about some of the stuff Alfa Romeo last week as well and how Fred Vassour has viewed them and they have been unlucky. They are they have bridged a big gap, but, you know, results like this where come in in freak circumstances. You know, it's going to leave them in a tough, in a tough bind going forward. But 
yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. And they have been unlucky. You know, obviously, like today, obviously, I don't think it had, I don't know how massive a bearing it had in the end on possibly points for Raikkonen, who was given a you know, 10-second penalty for uh, Alfa Romeo releasing him into um, Mazepin, which did Mazepin's suspension in and put him out of the race. So kind of the team that uh, let Kimi down in that, in that uh, from that perspective. But uh, I don't know what happened to Giovinazzi today. <laughs> He got a penalty for speeding in the pits on, you know, when he came in to on the first start, on the end of the first formation. Oh. He got a speeding in the pits penalty, so he had to do a 10-second uh, stop go as well. Ah, okay, that'll explain why he was so far behind. Yeah. I missed that one. The Italian Jesus himself. <laughs> the thing with Williams is, like, they were really handed the break here because Saturday had to be one of the most disappointing sessions for them of the entire year, even maybe last year, because... Regardless of how how poor they've been, they've always found something here at Hungary. Like 2019, do you remember how close Russell was to making Q2 in that car? He was very close. That was one of the surprises. That would have been one of the surprises of the season had he got that 2019 Williams into that Q2. He was very close. This is definitely a track they've always gone well at. And for both of them to be knocked out in Q1, especially Russell, who, again, it was in Q3 not two weeks ago in Silverstone. And obviously, same thing in Austria. To go from that down to you know, down being knocked out of Q1, they were on set for an extremely disappointing weekend. So this has really salvaged their their season and their weekend. Yeah, they, they were. I was reading an article that they were so surprised that Russell even got knocked out in Q1, never alone Latifi as well. So mm-hmm. it, to me, they've come out quids up in this weekend. This is probably the best weekend they could have ever asked for. Yeah, both cars in the points. I, yeah, jumping Alfa Romeo. Yeah, everyone's happy. Yeah, I think that's played out absolutely wonderfully for them. So, yeah, fair play to them. Hopefully they can kick on from here. But that's our first double point scoring for since uh, 20, 2018. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to... The, I'm sorry, go on. I, I was just going to say, I think that burden lifts off them as well. That mm. extra pressure to get points is gone now. So, yeah, yeah I, hopefully that eases the pressure on them a little bit. They would have got more publicity about it, but... I think given the Ocon stuff that happened today kind of took that away. Because normally yeah. this would be the highlight of the weekend, more than likely, is Williams and Russell and Latifi scoring points. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's move on to... I'm going to put Ferrari in here very briefly because not so much of their race, because obviously Charles Leclerc was uh, T-boned in uh, in Turn 1. Uh, Science obviously looking not to get a podium, he, which he held for like 90% of the races he put it afterwards. He was disappointed. He said possibly on reflection he might be happy with the result. And uh, when he was told by uh, Will Buxton on, an F1, on F1.com that yeah, he was summoned to the stewards, um, it seemed like the life... He was told he didn't know about it. He didn't know he had been summoned. It had just come out. And it literally... Like, he, oh, I saw the player. Did he you see it? So, yeah, he looks absolutely flabbergasted. <laughs> he looked uh, pretty pretty dejected at the thought of it. But um, nothing came of it in the end, so he does get fourth for now. We'll see if that turns into third with the Vettel, uh, Vettel stuff. But... What it does do for Ferrari is that with Norris not scoring and Ricardo not scoring, it brings Ferrari within three points of uh, McLaren in third, 163 points to 160. So everywhere you look... It would be look, the same, right? Uh, no, yes. It would be, be the would. same if they get to qualify, yeah. Yeah, if Science is elevated to third, that's three points from 12 to 15, and with Raikkonen finishing 10th and not, you know, sorry, finishing 11th and not Ricardo being promoted to that final point, it would actually level 
McLaren and Ferrari for third. Look at man, I'm looking loving the constructors battle this year. There's a battle everywhere you look. Mercedes and Red Bull, McLaren and Alps. Ferrari, Alpine, <laughs> Aston Martin, Alfa Tari, Williams and Alfa Romeo. Yeah, and then there's Haas. Yeah, (laughs) ignore that. But actually, speaking of, do you want to give a quick word for Mick Schumacher today, who was actually fighting cars for the first time other than his teammate? Thought he handled himself quite well. I thought he did brilliantly because Verstappen couldn't get past and had to get his elbows out to get past, didn't he? Yeah, Alonso had to uh, make contact to get by, really. Yeah, honestly, I think Mick was surprised that he was fighting someone (laughs) because he shouldn't have been by rights. That car was nowhere. And uh, yeah. But Fair he, play to him. He held it well. Like, he didn't back down. Uh, didn't wave them through like Latifi did, who I think I think doesn't know how to fight cars. He just like yeah. he was absolutely mugged by Pierre Gasly going into turn one. Absolutely yeah. mugged. To be fair to Pierre, that was just an absolute lunge and all very Danny Rick. It was, but, but like Latifi had never covered any line to defend anything, it felt like. Yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, go on. Yeah. Go so yeah, so quick mention for uh, Mick Schumacher there. Uh, do you have any other winners of the uh, of the weekend? No, but I, I did have Ferrari down as a loser. Really? Well, we'll get to that in a, in a sec. I'll I'll quickly give a shout out to Yuki Tsunoda. Another solid solid uh, weekend for him. Uh, like not the most. Well, you chuck out Fatari in there under the hole, really, can't you? Yeah, it was just a, a kind of weekend they needed, wasn't it? They did. Um, again, we talked about Gatley disappointment with uh, the result, even like P six and fastest lap. Uh, Good race for I thought Snowden would have had a better you know better time of it I guess with the you know big picture going forward a good race for him to finish in difficult conditions at times at the start obviously and yeah especially after being in the car in practice yeah really yeah. good bounce back for him uh, after uh, doing that in obviously and look and another Q one exit as well to put that yeah. into the yeah uh, I think that's just a normal now though isn't it uh, so. I wouldn't be too surprised at seeing him be the guy that goes out most times. Yeah. If it's not one of the alphas. As he has done, I think either six or eight times he's been knocked down in queue. I think it's six, isn't it? Yeah. So, but really good under the radar result for him. I know he was a long way back of Gasly. I know there's some things to take into account with Latifi, et cetera, et cetera, traffic. But just a really solid drive just to continue to pick up. A, like a decent point, like seven places, a decent points finish. Especially on a day where Alpine scored so many. Uh, Aston Martin scored more than a few as well so it keeps AlphaTauri right there in the hunt they're 11 points off of Alpine they're two behind Aston Martin that's what they've needed Sonoda to do so it's good to see him do that it helps his stock going into next year as well if they elect to keep him on yeah but did you uh, hear what he said after they uh, swapped him around no I, I didn't get the chance to hear that radio he was very angry sounding yes he was basically telling Pierre to hurry the F up so, and then somehow Pierre gaps in by 20 seconds. <laughs> I think it was close to 30, was it not? Yeah, it was probably close to 30. I just went with 20 as a ballpark. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I know they both start, I, I believe they both start for fastest lap. So, yeah, very strange that he was telling him that, but ended up 30 seconds behind. Uh, do you have any other losers of the, or sorry, winners of the weekend before we move on to the losers of the weekend? No, that was it for winners for me. I think so as well. So uh, let's not spend too long on this one because Red Bull is a very obvious loser of the weekend and I really through no fault of their own this time yeah. around. Now, look, qualifying stuff, sure, throw them in. Could have handled that better. But in terms of where the points are given out on the race day... Um, <laughs> Nothing they could do. Not much you can account eyes. for when uh, when Bottas goes bowling into, uh, into turn one, taking out 
uh, Perez and obviously ex- a lot of damage on Verstappen's car. Right barge board completely missing. There was floor damage. I am still flabbergasted that that car was fit to continue without a red flag. Again, much like Hamilton's situation where Mercedes said without the red flag at Silverstone, he probably has to retire. Again, you could throw that into the Hamilton look thing. I don't know, but throw one in for Verstappen here as well in that regard yeah. because with I, I don't think without that red flag, he, I think, similar situation with Lando, that car's probably not going out again. Yeah, definitely. I, I was very surprised to see it even moving. So for me, the, the, the fact that he even got points is... Uh, some form of reward, isn't it? But still, mm-hmm. not what they expected going into this weekend, where I expected them to win. Uh, after the race on the radio to Verstappen, uh, they called it the most important, probably the most important point of the season. Uh, did a uh, Red Bull for that uh, tenth place? So not probably not wrong because who look ebbs and flows. We've seen how quickly things change. Who even knows how much that point may matter? So. I do think if they weren't contending for points or points, they would have retired that car. But mm. once he, once Verstappen eventually got past Ricardo, oh, he was behind that McLaren for a long, 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 long time. Uh, yeah. The message to Verstappen afterwards: Look, there's a long way to go, and there is. That's what that's the Christian Horner said afterwards. There's a long, there's a long way to go, and he's right. Like they'll be, they've been desperately unlucky to lose the situations that they have with Baku. Silverstone again. Whatever you want to say about that, you know, uh, it's still that was still unfortunate uh, in terms of obviously points that they will have lost from their perspective, and obviously to uh, you know with the race on Sunday as well. So yeah, I can't help but feel things could be worse, but they haven't had a lot of luck, especially in these last two races. And uh, at what point does that luck begin to swing back in their favour? Belgium. Which is probably not actually saying uh, saying that is probably a Mercedes track that I don't see Red Bull standing a chance at, if I'm honest, and same with Monza. So, yeah, could be damage limitation these next two rounds, but we'll see what the development... I know the factories are closed for a lot of the summer break uh, this year because, obviously, compared to last year, they put their mandatory shutdowns uh, when the season was suspended uh, initially last season. So, mm. but it should be a bit more normal, normal service this year where... Uh, I think for I can't remember how many days exactly, but majority of the summer break, that it's just it's it's shut two. down. It is at least two, so not a ton of work. Well, no work is allowed to take place in those in those two weeks. So we'll see what happens when they get back going and what they bring to uh, to Belgium. But yeah, rough stuff uh, for them. Again, lucky they're not too far away in the constructors. Only ten points, uh, but again, they should feel pretty aggrieved given the advantage they had. Not two races ago yeah this is pretty damning isn't it so yeah um, before you get to Ferrari I'm going to lump in McLaren as a solid loser of the weekend here as well uh, yep. again Norris looking at I think did Norris have P3 basically in his sights heading yeah, down he to towards have, turn one he would have been he would have been level with Perez going into turn one mm. so obviously the first uh, the first victim of the uh the botassing that's 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 not the a, bowling that's, that's not a yes. thing but uh, he was obviously the first one they couldn't rip they, the damage was too much and who knows what damage ricardo had to his because after he was he looked like he was he reminded me of the it reminded me of the alonso singapore 2017 uh ricardo looked like he was just about to escape from all that and, and that just gets clipped just at the end um 
I know you. I should, by the way, just quickly mention: is that the most is that the most controversial start since that 2017 Singapore Grand Prix? No, oh, yeah, there hasn't been a stall like that in years. Mm. Crazy, isn't it? That many cars out, especially the front pack. Anyway, we've had a few at the back, but not anything like that. That many cars, that much kind of controversy, kind of with Vettel was. You moved very aggressively over on Verstappen. No, Verstappen moved aggressively towards the Ferraris. <laughs> I won't have that. Um, what he hadn't realised was that Raikkonen had the best start of like his life yeah. on the left-hand side. Oh, dear. Anyways, um, no penalty was in for that, by the way, that day as well. Surprise, surprise. It was a surprise. I thought Vettel was on the hook for that, but regardless, tangents... Uh, yeah, difficult one for... like Obviously, nothing Ricardo could do. Like, he was struggling a bit. Ah... An unfortunate victim of the rain. I would love to have seen. I think they were very much excited for the prospect of what Ricardo could do from 11th on mediums versus everyone on softs in front, bar the two Mercedes. They lost they a big opportunity much, there. I don't think much because then, even then, like the tyres would have died. So for, for me, the dirty air, sorry, he just wouldn't have been able to get past. He just couldn't, even with the tyre advantage. He just got stuck after a few laps in a train. Which wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been able to overtake anybody until the old pit. Possibly, but uh, we'll never know now. And mm. the damage I can only assume was uh, very, very high. Yeah, yeah, I think it was pretty similar to Verstappen. Yeah, so, most of the floor on the left, on the right hand side was gone. So was and stuff. it means that Norris's point scoring streak is, of course, uh, gone. So fifteen, no. Yeah, McLaren best. Which was uh, very surprising. That stat came out and I was very surprised given McLaren's rich history. But uh, there you go. That record yeah. uh, will lie with uh, Norris for at least a little bit. Yeah, until he breaks it. Until he. On this next and on. Maybe yeah. Yeah, it goes for another one. But yeah, desperately disappointing for him. McLaren losing a lot of ground versus Ferrari. That They're right there. That that buffer that they once had is, uh, is, now, is now gone. So rough Good weekend for, uh, for the McLaren boys. Why don't you tell us about... Uh, why you have Ferrari as a loser at the weekend? A lost, a, a missed opportunity is what I have it down as. Mainly because, right, obviously, we'll, we'll go back to qualifying. For me, they should have got both cars through to Q3. Now, I know the circumstances behind Carlos losing the rear was due to the wind and the tyres overheating and him ended up in the barrier. Also, don't know how that car survived that incident. I honestly thought it's never moving. <laughs> Somehow we, the Ferrari kept itself in intact. It was bizarre to see. We tried. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously the wing got the, stuck yeah, under it. The wing was the only thing stopping him from coming coming yeah. back around. And then so for the, so there's that. If he would if he'd qualified further up, who knows where he could have finished in that race? Because he'd have mm-hmm. probably likely have been in front of Ocon and Vettel. Obviously, you've got Leclerc being taken out of turn one. He was basically second behind Hamilton. For, for me, they have lost out probably a race win there. So if that's that's why I've got them down as a race, as a loser. I know it's not things that is that's in their control hmm. is why they've gone out and not got where what they should have done. But it's just frustrating being a Ferrari fan when a win's there on the cards when we've not had one for a couple of years, and then it's it's there on a the plate and we're just not there to pick it up afterwards. I'd hate to be a McLaren fan mm-hmm. knowing that kind of thing. The The only kind of argument I'd have to that is that arguably uh, Sainz starting where he did probably helped him on Sunday yeah, as it's in thing. the end. 
who knows where again who knows what part of the melee he ends up in if he's you know close to where the clerk is uh, but being further look we saw how many positions were gained like Latifi was up to third from 17th yeah you know Sonoda <laughs> up from you know like Science was one of those big rises as well it just love, was love a day that so happened that if you were further back you were protected basically or you had a great chance to vault up that uh, the order so I think in retrospect it being back there probably helped him under yeah, normal circumstances yeah it, it would have been it was disappointing not to see him there because I think he could have made life very comfortable for well he did make they obviously he was making life uncomfortable for uh, obviously the, a lot of teams made life uncomfortable for Mercedes and Red Bull in Q2 not having science in that mix you know I does Bottas probably have to set a time on softs yeah probably probably if science mm-hmm. is in the mix it's too close in 10th or so where you know I know Bottas was like ninth or so in Q2 but you probably have to do that if science is in the mix and up there too because Leclerc had just gone second in Q2 on uh, on those on those softs there and science was likely to do something quite similar to that as well yeah it's based on that science had been quicker in the earlier part of qualifying so probably would have been up there in the fight for fourth and fifth because mm. Perez didn't look great no in qualifying at all so yeah probably uh, I will give Sainz a quick winner again for he's he's now level on points with Leclerc they're both on 80 yeah which will probably be it'll be 83 based on the disqualification 83 if uh, Vettel does end up being disqualified I'm still refreshing there's nothing no updates on uh, on that quite yet but let's keep it moving uh, who else do you have as well can we just, can we just say Lance Stroll <laughs> for his yeah part? Yeah, what was that? Uh, knocked out in Q2 for a start, but uh, his teammate got through to Q3. And I just... Now, his... I know Bottas took out more cars, but that error I didn't think was as... The actual mistake itself, regardless of the no, aftermath, the aftermath was worse with Bottas, but the actual mistake itself and the accident itself was much worse from Stroll than it was for Bottas. It's just idiotic. Why? Why he could have gone to the outside, and he could have avoided everybody. But no, he's like, right, I'm going to chuck it all the inside where all the cars are going. Why? What planet is he on where he thinks, right, this is a good idea. I'm going to go on the grass when it's wet in an F1 car that doesn't react well to grass. It just I, blows my mind. I know it's a split second decision. I know he basically ended up having to choose between Ocon or. Or Leclerc, but just, yeah, mm. a, a yeah. rock and a hard place, but a place he probably shouldn't have been in to begin with. So, yeah. Not great. Not great, and a well-earned five-place uh, grid penalty for that, for that as well. Yes. Do you have any other losers of the weekend? We've talked about him pretty much already, but Alfa Romeo, missed opportunity, really. Should Probably should have been way around where Williams were in terms of picking all the points mm-hmm. and they just wasn't there through silly mistakes from the drivers and the team like we said with the incidents in the pit lane and stuff yeah uh, I don't know about Raikkonen if he had too much to really blame to be blamed for he got himself to no, Q2 for the like first that. time for well he, well as he corrected his race no. engineer <laughs> yeah I was going to say he was adamant he was not this was not his first two q2 q2 appearance or his best qualifying he's like no last race very well very wishy he's correct though 
technically. Technically, you're right. Yeah. So, again, if he gets his, if he gets to, if Vettel gets disqualified, that's a point for him. But yeah, it won't be too much of consolation to Alfa Romeo, but who had a again a bit of a margin, not much. But uh, yeah, not not yeah. not great for them. And really, I'm trying to think. I think that's really it, isn't it? Yes, I've I have one thing to briefly mention. Do it. The Texas Grand Prix. Your thoughts? The Texas Grand Prix. Well, why don't you give a little context to that and how you found it? So there was an image floating around on Twitter this morning of the F1 experiences on F1.com, and um, on the calendar where you can book the F1 experiences, it goes Japan the Texas Grand Prix and then the United States Grand Prix. So obviously the United States Grand Prix takes place in Austin in Texas. Mm-hmm. So it's basically confirming a double header at Cota is on the cards. Formally not announced yet. Will probably be announced at some point this next week, I'm imagining, if it's already on the F1 website. Unless it was like major Photoshop and I've been baited really, really hard. Yeah, the 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 give the name they're giving it a name a texas grand prix yeah, yeah very similar I, to the styrian yeah the region you know it's one thing to have an extra one there sure but i just had to attach a name to it as well uh, i think yeah. it's fairly telling so that was a great spot i didn't find that myself so i do suspect that in the next week or two uh, that will be uh, confirmed and i can only imagine that the sprint qualifying the third sprint qualifying will be one of those uh, one of those rounds i have seen different to that actually what have you seen i've seen it i've seen it being linked to going at the uh saudi grand prix which is apparently going to be the last grand prix of the year but with uh, it being swapped to abu dhabi but that is all in all in the air all in all just talk at the moment mm. although the promoters slash saudi arabia have said that they uh you know i will talk with f1 about uh, such a possibility so i don't think it'd be too much for them to Swap around if need be, if uh, yes. if that needs to come, that needs to come second. But yeah, so I, I suspect we'll be announcing a few, or we're talking about a few calendar tweaks in the uh, in the coming in the coming weeks. Yes, we've got three weeks to fill, so we've got a lot mm-hmm. to talk about. <laughs> we do. I have some plans of what we can do for uh, for As that. Do I. So, Obviously, F two will be one of them. F two, excuse me. F3, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. It was that boring this weekend. I forgot which one it was. Yeah, well, we apart definitely... From, apart from the feature race, sorry. Could, yeah, the feature race was very nice. Uh, definitely talk about F3. I do think that we've got... We could definitely talk about the season so far, like big shocks, yeah. biggest surprises, best race, best overtakes, etc., etc. So, you know, the mid-season awards kind of uh, kind of thing to look yeah. forward to in the, uh, in the coming weeks. But I'm sure we'll talk about more as well. But uh, as well as... Well, I'm sure we'll get some driver news throughout the summer as well, at least in some capacity. Even if it's not Mercedes, I'm sure something will come up in terms of 2022 seats. Ocon, six-year extension. <laughs> got to throw it in there. I've got to carry the joke on. I've mocked him enough for it. I think so I might as well carry on. I think you did say that or something that's similar along those lines. If he were to win a race, or maybe yeah, you said I, it for Alonso, I, I, I wasn't genuinely it? did. Yeah, I, th- I genuinely did say it for one of the Alpine drivers. Can't remember which one it was. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, good call. Six year contract come for Ocon apparently. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add on the very action packed Hungarian Grand Prix? I think all things considered, we've done decently well to keep this where it is on time. 
Yeah. Race rating before we go for some Race on what Club Ireland. out of 10. Oh, shoot. It is almost that time. Race out of 10. I'm going to give it a 9. I gave it 8.5 just because the track being the problem, the, the uh, lack of overtaking opportunities. I, I know that sort of was why the, why the race was so good and out of place, but the, the actual action itself was very dull at some points because you couldn't overtake. Mm-hmm. So 8.5 for me is a middle ground yeah on a very good race yeah i think so as uh, i think so as well so i'm still refreshing here there seems to be no news of the uh sebastian vettel potential disqualification but uh, uh if it does come then that will give hamilton a a eight point lead heading into the break mm. instead of six with a few extra uh, extra points gained there so uh, yeah, so a lot to look forward to for the second half of the season, but we won't be going anywhere. We've got plenty of stuff planned for the summer break, so look forward to that. Uh, my thanks to you for listening, especially if you're listening for the first time, you've come this far. And uh, if you're watching with uh, TTML, I can only thank you for coming over. I hope you come back for more. Be a bit less, uh, a less uh, congested. Lengthy. Yeah. Uh, this uh, on other weeks, but there's a lot to it. Uh, to discuss this week so do uh, accept my humblest apologies we do try and keep these under an hour but the races don't haven't always allowed it i guess that's a good thing in its own way it is definitely so yeah that's gonna do it for this week of the switchback formula one podcast i've been graham i've been jean pierre jabouy <laughs> and really uh, pulling one out of the back <laughs> and uh, we shall see you next week goodbye <laughs>